Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Shah just began season two on Showtime, where it's receiving huge praise from TV critics for its powerful portrayal of life on the south side of Chicago. I'm Zach Laws of Gold Derby, here with Ntari Gumu Mbahu Muain. He plays Ronnie, who's just been released from prison despite having confessed to murder. Atari, uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, you, you know, take us back to the end of season one, beginning of season two. I mean, uh, tell us a bit about the circumstances under which Ronnie confesses to this murder. What, what drives him to do that? Uh, well, first, thanks for having me back. It was a pleasure to speak with you last year, and I'm grateful to be back speaking to you and your audience. And it's, I think it's a classic story of, of guilt tearing one person up and trying to come to terms with oneself. Uh, and we talk about you know, fight or flight, I think. And Ronnie really looks within and tries to do the right thing. Uh, and the, the thing that's really great about the character is that he, he, in his effort to do the right thing, it just lands him in a deeper hole of trouble. Uh, so the end of season one ends with Ronnie uh, confessing to the murder of Kugi. And we see him getting locked up in jail. And uh, as an actor, I thought, that might be the end of me. <laughs> you might not see this character again because <laughs> he's going to be regulated to the cold, dark cell for the rest of the season. Um, but I'm really grateful that they gave me so much to do this year. It's, it's, it's really been a blessing. I think when I spoke with you last time, it felt like a burden. Uh, but this year, I felt like I was really blessed with you know, the storyline that gave me the opportunity to see where he came from, what he's struggling with, and what has sort of he's been struggling with for his lifetime, really. I know that fans are certainly glad that uh, you have a lot to do this season as well. You weren't just <laughs> locked up for the rest of it. Um, you know, you just, uh, in this episode that just aired, um, Ronnie is out of prison now um, by way of circumstances and in, in the criminal justice system. Um, can you talk a bit about, um, you know, just some of the, the, the ways in which Ronnie was able to, you know, despite having confessed, uh, get out of prison? Well, there's something that I learned about the, the criminal justice system, which was, you know, the, the way in which a confession is made, uh, uh, that it can't be coerced, and that one has to be in a sort of a, I guess, a clean, sober mind. Um, and what we discover, which is that Ronnie, if we see, has struggled with alcohol. Um, and addiction, 
and we discovered that he was in a, in, in in this state of intoxication when he went to the confess. So that legally doesn't hold up. Uh, it's I never knew that. I thought if you stated what you did, whether you're drunk or sober, uh, because if you get a DUI, <laughs> they don't say, <laughs> you know, you were, you know, we got to wait, you got, you get convicted. It's just hard to believe that for murder, that, that you could get off. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a real, um, strange and also, um, kind of stunning, uh, uh, you know, comment on our criminal justice system that, you know, um, there, there are hundreds, if not thousands of people who are behind bars right now for crimes that they didn't commit. Yeah. And they're there, uh, you know, through different technicalities of the legal justice system. And, you know, somebody could confess to a crime, have actually done it and be out because of those same technicalities. Or money, if yeah. you have money, <laughs> you committed a crime and everyone knows you've committed it. And you just are able to pay your way. You can get off. It's 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 really interesting because we think about um, the issue, like the, the issue of forgiveness. And forgiveness, really, I think in the beginning was about debt. When it comes to justice, forgiveness is not really uh, an issue that's as easily dealt with. Um, it's more like interpersonal relationships or relationships with God uh, or debt. But when it comes to the legal system, forgiveness becomes a much murkier uh, topic because uh, it's about justice uh, being served um, or skirting justice. Um, and I think that's what's so really interesting about the season is that we see each different character try to wrestle with the issue of forgiveness and not in terms of paying, you know, not in terms of sort of the legal system, but in terms of the interpersonal and how do you forgive oneself? Uh, how, in, in case of Ronnie, how can someone forgive Ronnie for what he's done? And we see that there's folks who cannot, uh, there's folks who want, revenge, there's folks whose only way forward is to forgive. And we discover a really, um, a major pivotal point, I think, in terms of Ronnie's backstory, where his only way forward is either to forgive or to seek vengeance or to go into a state of rage. And I think that's what's really interesting about this whole season, because I think every single character is wrestling with that in some way or fashion. Uh, you mentioned his backstory, and uh, we do get a, a sense um, in that episode as well about you know his life with his girlfriend and his surrogate son, and um, some of his relationship with his grandmother. Can you talk a bit about that? Um, well, he's surrounded by strong women, um, and this is another a show that I really think, although the the, the women's characters maybe aren't as fully. Um, present as some of the male roles, they dominate the men. Um, if anything, you could say the men are somewhat emasculated by the women in their lives. Um, and that's, that's something we don't really get to see much on TV. We see more of the, the toxic masculinity at play. And so that's what's sort of really uh, refreshing, I think, about getting to play this 
and getting to be a part of this kind of story is that we're getting to see into the underbelly. We're getting to see uh, the vulnerable side. Um, we're getting to see someone shed a tear. Uh, this is, I was joking that you, you won't see another show where so many black men cry, uh, but that's what is needed to move forward um, because this sort of cycle of, of vengeance or of sort of this toxic masculinity um, really just digs a hole uh, that's deeper and deeper to get out of. Well, certainly the show uh, does a really good job of playing on our expectations. Um, you know, the ways in which black men in particular are portrayed in most TV shows and movies, um, you know, it's, it's not necessarily always good, um, you know, um, and this show does a really good job of showing you the other side of that, you know, and kind of playing on your expectations. I'm not sure what we do is necessarily good either. It's just human. Um, and human involves good and bad. Uh, so when it comes to drama, you can't just be all good because there's no drama in that. Uh, so for all, uh, you know, I, I, I push back against that sort of sentiment that, you know, all the stuff that's out there about, you know, black media is about, yeah, because I think it's a bit problematic, but I think with all good drama, there's good and bad. And what we get to see in this is what, what is normally pushed in the margins, I guess. Um, I just, I meant in terms of like, you know, uh, also with the way that places like Chicago are usually portrayed in our, our news and our media, you know, it's, it's usually portrayed as being a very violent place filled with violent people. But this show shows you uh, the circumstances and, and ways in which uh, sort of that violence comes from or other people who are not that way, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's a sort of pathological perception. I think we talked about this the last time, which is perpetuated over and over. Even now, we're just talking about it here. But there's also, you know, the Astro Gates, there's Chance the Rapper, there's Common, um, Barack Obama, these are all Michelle Obama, these are all stories of Chicago. So to say that there's one side is not, that's just continuing this sort of pathological perception. And there was a point where Chicago was synonymous with Oprah Winfrey and Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. So to keep going back to this is sort of, you know, just sort of, I feel like, you know, leaning towards the third rail, which grabs the headlines, but it's not the full story. Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of Michael Jordan, I love that moment in the show where you said that your favorite Bulls player, past, present, and future was Michael Jordan. <laughs> we, I, I have him now in my hometown, by the way. I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina, and he's over there now, so. Now, Michael is ours. <laughs> yes, he's, everyone wants to claim him. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's, you, you, you guys in Chicago had him first and he'll always be a, a bull, but you know, yeah. <laughs> we gotta have our heroes as well. <laughs> something really interesting, which I, I put on a button for this season. I don't know if I have one here uh, to show you, but he said in his Hall of Fame speech, which was a bit controversial, he said, limits like fears are often an illusion. And for me, that sort of encapsulates a bit about what the show is about, because you can have, you can have limits and fears placed on someone, um, but it's just a matter of perception sometimes. And he talked, off, he talked about the limits and fears that were placed on him, and that people doubted him, and, or didn't believe in him, or didn't give him the starting lineup. And rather than that beating him down, he used that as fuel. 
And I think that's part of what makes the show so interesting is that the obstacles that you think would bring someone down actually lift someone up. And we don't really see that. And that is exciting to get to play because it sort of messes with people's expectations and perceptions of what the world is. Right. Um, one of the other things that we see a lot of is, you know, some of Ronnie's pain and vulnerabilities. And uh, there was an interesting thing that he said about um, when he's getting out of prison, you know, as somebody who was in the army, you know, it's like that structure, that routine feels more natural to him. Yeah. And it really made me wonder about what he's going to do now that he's back out on the outside. Yeah. Uh, well, when he was in, they showed like this workout section and I, I worked my butt off to try to get in the best shape. For <laughs> I felt like there's some people who thrive within structure uh, or who are like gym rats, but their whole life is a mess. Like their bills are late, their cars are breaking down, their relationships a mess, but you know, they'll keep their physical regimen in place. And you would never guess that this person who's so regimented and disciplined in one aspect uh, is a mess in so many others. Uh, and so we see what his life was like in prison and that he was somehow, I wouldn't say thriving because we see the addiction at play and how it's tearing him down and he's not able to open up to anyone about that. Um, but he's able to sort of create a, a facade. Uh, and when you get out of that structured environment, you know, it's harder to hold up that facade. Uh, and he, he comes face to face with folks who see through it. Yeah. yeah. I also thought it was kind of telling that moment where he's talking to his lawyer and um, you know, he says it's it's nice to have somebody on your side, and he kind of pushes back uh, in a very in a very harsh way. Um, but I mean, the back to the legal system, the legal thing we're talking about, where it's not there is no compassion really. Yeah, about how to game the system. Yeah, but I mean, it also I think the his sentiment is at least true. It's you know what I mean, where he's in that moment, you know, he's revealing a bit about himself. You know, he has hope <laughs> because without hope, you will die, you know, and for a moment, he has a vestige of hope and she tells it like it is. And he has no other option but to sort of face himself after she sort of held up the mirror to him and says, you, you reek of alcohol. Yeah. Get, your, get yourself together. I wanted to uh, ask you a little bit more about um, you know his relationship with his grandmother, and mm -hmm. you know I mean uh, there was something awful that happened to her in this season, and uh, can you talk a bit about um, that relationship and how it changed a little bit in this season? Yeah, we talk about sort of patriarchy or matriarchy, and one of the things we get to discover this season is how Ronnie was brought up in a matriarchal system and longed for patriarchy, longed for a father figure. Uh, and I think that's the big reveal we get to see at the end of the season or through as the season progresses is what that was, what that was missing and how he comes to term with it, terms with it. Um, Grandma Ethel, we don't know how long she's been in the state that she's in. You know, there's, this, there's some 
I don't know, I think we hinted at it in the first season. I'm not sure they touched upon it as much this season, but of dementia uh, and living with mental illness, one figures out how to navigate about get, navigate that, either self-medicating, ignoring, or going down with the, the whole ship. And I think all of those are at play with Ronnie uh, as he tries struggles to try to keep afloat. Yeah, certainly another great quality about this show is the way that it deals with generational uh, differences. You know, like you've got on the one hand Ronnie's uh, grandmother on one side of the spectrum, and then you've got all the kids on the other side of the spectrum, and the ways in which times change and people change. You know, it's very fascinating the way it's dealt with in this show. I don't know how the writers do it because literally they weave so many stories together. And it's, it's really incredible to see exactly that, to see the cross-generational uh, window in to the South Side of Chicago. It's much easier to focus on like one. Uh, and each could be their own show, uh, but they've created this incredible maze with which all these stories are intertwined. And I think they get more and more enmeshed and intertwined and unravel in the final episode in a way that for me was really exciting. And, you know, what's interesting, too, is that, you know, we, we talk about uh, some of the plot details and, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, very deathly serious, but a lot of the show is just plain entertaining as well. I mean, there's moments of levity and moments of joy and moments of fun and music. You know, it's, it's, it's a, a show with multiple little uh, layers. Yeah, even for Ronnie, like, yeah. I think we saw Ronnie smile once last season, only in the pilot. And the first episode where he's on the stoop hanging with his boys and the, the woman boss walks by and he's like hollering at her. And that's before he, just moments before he finds out his son was killed. And we never see, I don't think we ever see his teeth like smile for the rest of the season. But what was exciting about this season was that we got to see some of the joy. We got to see Ronnie experience the joy for the first time. And that for me, when I saw that on, on, on screen, I was taken aback because I had gotten so used to seeing him in this, you know, limited spectrum of range of emotions, of angst and torment, uh, but to see him experience like moments of joy and ecstasy and how that comes about in the season was, uh, was also really fun to play and exciting to see on screen. Well, it's a show that always uh, provokes really, uh, you know, important and interesting conversations as well. And uh, I always enjoy talking to you and everyone else in the cast and crew about it because uh, I feel like it uh, it really sparks a lot of really uh, great discussions uh, that uh, are outside of entertainment and all of that. So, well, I feel very lucky to be a part of it, and I have my I was standing in front of my poster, the shy poster, which I had everyone in the cast and crew sign, um, from catering to common, and uh, we all feel really lucky to be a part of this and to be sharing the stories. Anatari, thank you so much uh, for joining us again. Uh, appreciate your time as always. Thank you, Zach. See you next time. See you next time. And thanks to all of you at home for watching. Make sure you hit the subscribe and like button below and make sure you visit us at goldderby.com to make your predictions and for all the latest Emmy news. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch -ch -ch -ch
Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.